wasn't our worst, though. You don't think Think Skies was I mean, our I think finest? Pretty, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> but, but Just pretty good. But I don't think it's making or breaking the show. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody, to Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. Balderdash. Yeah. Balderdash. Balderdash. John is in the house. John is in the house. In the hizzy. John is in the hizzy. Well, welcome back, John. Thanks. I am so glad to be back in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. You made it a couple days early, mm. and uh, huh? I appreciate that for reasons that we'll talk about yeah, uh, in a little bit. Um, but I'm so glad to see you in the flesh and give you a hug. Yeah, right. and, and it's been s- way too long. And see your uh, big smile. So, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I'm crushing on you, and we haven't even started drinking, mm, mm, so let's mm. uh, resolve that. Let's drink. Let's drink. <laughs> <laughs> I brought you your own can today. Whoa, I get my own can. Your own can. We're not going splitsies on this one. All right. Um, so this is actually a very special beer yes. to me in my, my beer drinking world. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Moose Roll by Big Sky Brewing Company. And this is the beer, if I think back, this is the beer that got me really interested in better beer. And yep. more interesting beer, and craft okay. beers. Yeah. I remember it was on on draft at, <laughs> at Mingle's which is a uh, pool hall in Moscow, Idaho. Okay. And so I, I was like, Moose Troll, that sounds funny. I'll have that. And up until that point, I was drinking like Killian's Irish Red. That was my dark version of a beer. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, uh, I mean, outside of Guinness, but Guinness sure. is so light that, that I don't think that counts. But then I had this and I was like, oh my God, this is what beer can be. Uh, and then I kind of never looked back. You had an awakening. Mm-hmm. Nice. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Funny thing, <laughs> Helen had a very similar experience with this exact same beer. Oh yeah. So it's very kind of it's kind of special to us that way that we both had we have this connection to it from, yeah. from long ago. That's fantastic. And then the reasons that I even have these is Helen and I celebrated our 15 year first date anniversary, and on our first date we went to Murphy's Irish Pub uh, in Wallingford. And the first, she was there before me. She had ordered a beer, and then I went and got my own. And we had both ordered the same beer, which was Newcastle. Newcastle apparently oh, is no brown longer, ale. The brown the ale. Brown ale. Yep. Apparently, it's no longer available anywhere in the United States. It was bought by another brewery. I think Heineken really? might own them now. Oh, okay. Uh, and so we couldn't find it anywhere. And so I, for our thirty fifteenth first anniversary, I got her a case of Moostrol instead. I wanted to find her. Uh, Newcastle, but this is the the runner up. Yeah, and then I got her two cans of Murphy's Irish Stout. Oh yeah, <laughs> so it's like a random all across the country because I was in in Boston when this all went down. So Katie and Gary helped me, um, oh, helped me with the ruse. That's I sent nice. Her a card, a case of beer, and some flowers. That's <laughs> sweet. That's <laughs> so ridiculous. Thanks, Katie and Gary. Even yeah. though they don't listen, no, they don't. Okay, <laughs> turds. But anyway, Moostrol's Brown Ale. Uh, Big Sky Brewing Company. They make a whole bunch. There, um, I I highly recommend anyone that hasn't to check them out. All their beers are great, and they always have great names like Moose Drills, Just funny. Uh, they have one called Slow Elk. They think it's a winter <laughs> elk. That's that's a a redneck term for a cow. It's a Slow s- Elk. Slow Elk. That's funny. I didn't know that. <laughs> yep. Uh, and this one's good because it's got yeah. the cool drooling moose on it. Yep, and then uh, their uh, their motto, I guess, as it were, is "We make water fun." Yeah, I saw <laughs> that is, on the which back. Is great. Yeah. So, anyway, let's pop this and get to drinking. Let's do it. All right. <sighs> Here we go. Oh, excited. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Been looking forward to this today. Me too. I need normalcy. I hear you. 
All right, man. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, it even smells. Smells chocolatey, malty. Mm-hmm. Oh. I love brown ales. Me too. This is delicious. Wow, that is super good. This is a really um <clears throat> almost like Coca-Cola color. Yeah. It's a like in terms of like how brown ales generally are as a style, this is almost spot on if you were to follow the guidelines. Um they did a pretty phenomenal job with it. Yeah. So good. good. And I think it's an understated ale too. I don't uh, a style. We've talked about it on the podcast before. We've done we did another <clears throat> brown ale once, but mm-hmm. It doesn't get a lot of fanfare because it doesn't sound sexy, and it's just brown ale. It's brown. Well, everyone thinks ale is brown. So what yeah. else? What other color <laughs> is it going to be? Yeah, doesn't sound very exciting, but it's super delicious. Yeah, it's good. Mm-mm-mm. Ooh, all right, man. Yeah, I can drink mm. a lot of this. Mm. All right, let's go to the bourbon. Oh yeah, let's do it. Okay, so here's a story about the bourbon. There's a story tonight. I like stories. Okay. So I was looking at No Agenda Marketplace, mm-hmm. and I reached out to a distillery that was listed on the No Agenda Marketplace. And No Agenda Marketplace is – hold on one second. That way I can get it out and everyone can see it. <clears throat> uh, I should have had this already up. Uh, no Agenda Marketplace. Yeah, just type in No Agenda Marketplace. It'll take you to marketplace.yano. Yeah, no agenda.com. If anyone <laughs> listens to No Agenda, their whole yeah, no is a uh, part of that. And you go all the way actually to near the bottom, and Garden State Distillery is there. So I was looking through it and I saw them and I reached out to the owner, uh, Rick, uh, Rick Norman, and I said, Hey, Rick, um, I saw that you're on No Agenda Marketplace, and I'm a producer as well of the No Agenda podcast. Uh, how can I? buy and have you ship some of your whiskey to us so we can review it on the podcast. And his response was, what's your address? <laughs> so I gave him my address and I said, listen, I'll give me a Venmo or something so I can pay for this. Silence. Nothing. Today, my dad says, you got a package. And it's, uh, I go over there and it's this uh, weather vane American whiskey. But because there's two of us, he didn't just get us one. Oh, no. He gave us two. Two. Yep. So we each get a bottle. This is our donation. This is uh, like our first physical donation. Yeah. We get some Satoshis from people on Fountain, and we're mm-hmm. very thankful for that. Uh, but, Rick, thank you so much for the uh, whiskey donation. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah. Ho- hopefully it's not terrible. I'd feel really, really bad. <laughs> well, you notice mine's already open. Yeah. So... So uh, give it. You it's not gave it terrible. A it's not terrible. No, we're gonna use mine. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna use mine. I mean, I doubt that people would go through that trouble if it was like mediocre. I know some people are uh, not shy about celebrating their mediocrity, but like that's a long way to go to try to yeah to try to um, just get your name out there. So yeah, well, he's a he's a it's, it's they're a small distiller, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, they've gone through some. Uh, he he's done other like podcasts on YouTube and stuff like that before, um, but I do have a, a a clip here about New Jersey distilleries where uh, Rick is actually um, featured, and uh, I'm going to play that right now. Watch your beer there, so my cord. Real quick, did you do this uh, QR code on the back? 
No, I haven't done the QR code yet. Look up your unique bottle here, and then it's got a hand written three next to it. Oh, we're going to have to check that out. Cool. We'll play this. It's uh, it's like a three-minute video, but uh, people can get the gist of New Jersey uh, distilleries. New Jersey. Do you know where in New Jersey? Oh, uh, and the music's great. Oh, Tom's River. Yeah, Tom's River. I don't know where that is. <clears throat> you don't know Tom's River? Nope. Jeez, man. East Coaster. Doesn't even know. <laughs> Yes, there were distilleries in New Jersey before America ever declared its independence. Now, they almost became extinct because of prohibition, but as Kimberly Kravitz reports, they're enjoying a big comeback. Real quick, Kimberly's cute, but her voice, mm, just, just to prepare you. Really? New Jersey distilleries have a rich history dating back to the colonial era. And distillers in New Jersey tell me that they owe it to the rich farming history, soil and climate to create the perfect Jersey spirit. The Garden State is, you know, this that's is Rick, for a reason. Right the distillery industry has always been fruitful in New Jersey with all of the fresh vegetation that the Garden State has to offer. We're the Garden State, so we have uh, some really nice grain. In fact, the Garden State was home to the nation's first distillery, Laird & Company, back in 1780. They started back in the colonial era, I'd say around the late 1700s, and then grew. And by 1835, there were 388 distilleries. It was amazing. We met with the founder of Asbury Park Distillery, Andrew Karras, that took over the family business that his grandfather started during Prohibition. Prohibition came around and he ended up becoming a bootlegger in Patterson. You know, it all goes back to the days of the mafia and they had boats going up and down the shore, bringing the alcohol in and this was really where it happened. That's the pouring of the booze. And born out of the Prohibition era, you better believe that the distillery industry has many, many rules that they have to abide by, including that they are only allowed to sell their spirits and no one else's, unlike any other bar. So you have to deal with the state, the federal, and the town level. So there's three entities you have to keep happy. Uh, and pretty much from start to finish, there's always a reason to quit. And even more of a reason to quit when COVID-19 hit, especially for founder of Garden State Distillery, who opened their doors on March 15th. Opening up on March 15th was, uh, yeah, that was in my blind spot. I didn't see that happening. And we trickled in some business over the next few months with to-go cocktails and some bottle sales. A lot of you know friends and family came in to support. Many distilleries had to pivot their business to stay open and mass-produced hand sanitizer during the pandemic. We were able to distribute it to hospitals. Um, a lot of elderly were able to get it. They came here and we also sent it over to nursing homes. Um, First responders, uh, fire department, police, they all came here and we delivered it to them. So it was a need we were able to fill and be able to help out, do our part to help the community. Fortunately, these distillery owners tell me that business is picking back up. We're really not trying to compete with bars and restaurants. That's the, the number one thing we try to do here. We're, we're not trying to, uh, to take away business for anyone else. We closed in an earlier time. We tell all of our customers, go to these local liquor stores and restaurants, try our cocktails there. When you make wine, you use certain grapes to produce different flavors. How does that go with distillery? What ingredients? Yeah, so, uh, well, you could use grapes. You could use any fermentable substrate, so anything that has sugar or access to sugar. So typically for bourbon, is what we're making today, uh, is made with at least 51% corn, 
then you're either rye or wheat and then some barley for enzyme activity to break down the starches in those grains to sugars. And then once they get them to sugars, then we ferment them with yeast. According to New Jersey law, distilleries can offer tours and tastings and even on-site sales. But if you're tours. hungry, you'll have to go support a local small business and have your food delivered here. All right. Enough of her. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's good cool, guy. Though. Good guy, Rick. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Yeah. So we really appreciate we really that. Appreciate it. I looked it up. There, yeah. It's yours. Does yours have a three on the back as well? Yeah. So they yeah, both so came from the same batch. Yeah. Batch three barreled on January thirty first, twenty twenty one, in a new number three char barrel from Kelvin Cooperage. Yep. Bottled December 9th, twenty twenty two. Seventy five percent corn. Twenty five percent malted rye. And uh, yeast used is Pinnacle G. Pinnacle age, G. G. Age 22 plus months. It's 104. Cool. Proof. So, yeah. That's clever. I love that. I know. I do, too. That's smart. It's a little detail that makes you feel more connected to it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Nicely done. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, these cute little 350 milliliter bottles are <coughs> awesome. And do you, uh, do you know if it's available out here yet? Or it's is it not. just just around yeah. where they're at? Yeah. So, I mean... I wonder if I could find it out there. No, you probably definitely could. Yeah. Especially on those ones that I probably suggested those liquor stores or whatever mm-hmm. that that guy suggested. Yeah, but that's not anywhere in New Jersey. <sighs> no. But uh typically what happens is the small distilleries, they they'll distribute uh on the same coast or mm-hmm. nearby distilleries even though they don't have a national reach yet. Mm-hmm. The same thing was true when I went down to Texas and I found all these great distilleries, Balcones and um, still Austin, and and then they weren't up here at, at our local Bevmo or Total Wine and More, mm-hmm. um, and now they are, so they finally got wider distribution. So, imagine and same thing with uh, like we always had Bell Mead, um, and now I'm starting to see uh, Nelson's Greenbrier or Nelson's Reserve, which is the same Bell Mead. Like yeah, we actually found Nelson's um, Reserve at uh, Costco. So. Yeah. Of all places. Nice. Actually, I've been finding some good stuff at Costco. I, I've been going there. I found uh, a bottle of Alberta Premium, which is a, a rye whiskey that uh, is also under the label and more expensive um, as Whistle Pig rye. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and it comes from this Alberta distillery, Whistle Pig. Uh, their rye gets it. So, anyways, uh, so yeah. Excuse so, me. color is nice and kind of a caramely amber color. Um, it's got some nice legs on it mm-hmm. as we swirl it around the Glen Cairn here. Doom, doom. It's pretty. Yeah. On the nose, it's it's sweet. It's almost, I mean, I don't know if this is our lighting, but it's almost got kind of an orangey, like, rust yeah. color to it. Yeah. Which is nice. A lot of the, um, like, I think it was the last one we had or maybe a couple times ago, like, the younger aged ones, or maybe it was just in a conversation, like, the... A lot of the cheaper whiskeys are very light colored because yeah. they don't age them very long. Yep. You get this nice deep color in here. They took the care to to age it long enough and not try to pull it too soon. Yeah, no, and it's um, it's got a nutty, oaky smell to it. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Cheers. Oh, let's do it better. I don't want to smash glass. That wasn't good. That was better. Okay. <laughs> so Stupid. Ridiculous. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, that's really nice. Oh yeah, sweet, cocoa-y, malty. Hmm. 
Mostly sweet. A lot of sweet. Yeah, it's got a, a nice sweetness up front. The uh, the alcohol burn <clears throat> is uh, it's like complete front to back, but not overpowering. No, which is nice. Yeah, so I actually like a little bit of that bite. Mm-hmm. It's part of the reason I like the rise. Yeah, <clears throat> me too. This is good. Yeah, Nicely it was done, actually Rick. good. I know, Rick. We were a little worried that we're gonna be like, well, you know, they're new. <laughs> they tried <laughs> but actually um this is one of those moments where we're like no that's really damn good yeah that is yummy uh, i wish you had wider distribution but we thank you for the donation to beer bourbon mm-hmm. and balderdash and uh so thank you very much we appreciate it yeah and i'll certainly look for this one and back over on that side and uh see if i can bring home some bottles yeah uh at the very least make it a staple <clears throat> of my my uh, cabinet at the condo yeah well there you go and you get your own bottle mm-hmm it's all. <clears throat> that was very thoughtful this, of him. This is this is gonna get hidden away so, so it doesn't get carried. <laughs> yeah, carried. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, thanks for sharing that with me, and thanks for reaching out to him. This is fantastic. Yeah. What yeah. a surprise! I know, and that made my day. Considering that, uh, well, the reason why you're here early, which I actually mm-hmm. really do appreciate, is is uh, my mom's funeral is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So not not to be a, a super downer, my mom died in. Uh, January 31st, and we uh, weren't able to have her funeral until tomorrow, which, if I'm being honest, I'm not totally looking forward to, Um, mostly because I've had a few weeks of grieving already, and now it's (laughs) like uh, picking the scab off again, Mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm just, uh, you know, in family complications and stuff like that, you know, and just, uh, you know, it's not... uh, it's not happy times necessarily. On top of which, we've been running so hard for what feels like so long um, since my mom got sick on January thirteenth. So she she only lived for like two weeks when we took her to the ER and found out she had a small cell lung cancer. So um, and since then, we've just been trying to get my dad uh, his feet under um, him so that he can. Uh, take care of all the the things that need to get taken care of and and help him out with that, which we're more than welcome to and or happy to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but I just uh, today I've been really kind of grumpy only because uh, I just keep thinking about you know tomorrow and and just standing in the cold and saying goodbye again. You mm-hmm. know when I've already kind of said goodbye, but I know. Uh, Funerals are not for the dead; they're for the living. And there's a lot of people that want to say goodbye and and have their moment. So I'm trying not to make it about me, but it's it's bringing up feelings that I you know don't necessarily uh, that I've already kind of put away. And now I gotta take back out of <laughs> out of the feelings trunk. <laughs> so yeah, but that's like when my dad died. Uh, I was 17, and um, I went into caretaker mode. And all of my my uh, moments of like trying to deal with it, I kind of they're pretty fleeting because I was more worried about dealing with everybody else's stuff, but they'd yeah. still come up, and I never really properly dealt with it. And it's still for years and years and years, just random times I would struggle with the issues, and so like it never properly goes away, um, you know. And it'll keep coming back. At least it did for me, and I have a feeling it's for you. But it's still good to to sometimes have a nice cry or or just let it out, be upset. It's yeah. okay to be upset. Yeah. I mean, your mom died. Yeah. She should be upset. I know. My mom's not here anymore. I don't I have know. a mommy anymore. And that sucks. Yeah. 
Well, and and there's been several things. Um, you know, tomorrow uh, at the funeral, we'll talk about uh, my daughter and um, my niece and my brother and I. We're all going to say something at the gravesite, and uh, you know the the old, there's there's two things, two moments that really stand out to me that were really impactful for my mom, and and the first one is um, so you're going to hear this again tomorrow. Uh, the first one is uh, that when I was uh, young, when I was a teenager, um, I was very, very moody. Like I work on it now not to get moody mm-hmm. um, and just be grumpy and just want to be left the hell alone. Uh, I get that way sometimes. And I married someone who doesn't want to leave me alone, and uh, which is great because <laughs> she's just trying to she's just trying to help me out. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I I wouldn't talk to her or she'd say what's going on. Cause she could tell I was in a bad mood and, uh, I just wouldn't talk to her or I'd be just kind of snappy at her and stuff like that. And, and now having, having, you know, teenagers had teenagers of my own. Um, you know, I get that, I get that desperate feeling as a parent that you just want to help and you just want to, you know, save and you just want to give some wisdom or whatever with, for whatever that's going on with them. Because uh, there, there's a little bit of fear in you that, you know, maybe they'll hurt themselves or do something stupid mm-hmm. or you know, drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. And my mom, you know, she couldn't talk to me because I wouldn't let her. But she would write these Hallmark cards and just, you know, hey, I'm I'm thinking of you and I love you so much. And, and if you want to talk, I'll talk to you. And she'd just leave them on my bed. And I'd go upstairs into my room from school and she go hi and I go hi and I just go upstairs <laughs> and then there'd be this card in my bed and I'm like oh I am an asshole <laughs> you know and so I just go downstairs and give her a hug or tell her I love her and she really knew how to break uh through mm-hmm. uh to get to get to my heart when I didn't want anyone near it mm-hmm. and uh the second was the Saturday before she died um she wasn't communicating with us much anymore uh, some grunts here and there, or whatever. And she was uh, starting to shut down. And I was sitting on a little stool next to the bed. And I think Scotty was asleep on the floor because that night Scott and I were going to sleep at the house, at uh, mom and dad's together. And uh, we all just kind of slept in the family room on the floor. And dad slept on the couch. None of us wanted to leave mom. And uh, everyone else was out in the other room. Scott was asleep on the floor. And I just sat next to the bed and I just started thinking of all the times that I walk into the house and she gets up from the couch and and uh, comes over and gives me a hug and and it really started making me sad and I just looked at her and I said uh, I said I'd do anything right now just to have one of your hugs and I leaned over and just hugged her and her arms came up and hugged me back mm-hmm. and she had been very unresponsive all day long so mm-hmm. it was kind of like to me this like little mini miracle yeah, for <laughs> almost. Sure. And, uh, and I just, I whispered in her ear, I said, you have no idea how much I needed you to hug me right now. Hmm. And, uh, and I told her I loved her and she kind of mumbled, I love you back. And, uh, you know, even in her condition, um, you know, her just wanting to continue to show me love, um, was, is who her, who she is. And that's the heart of a mom, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is that they want to, um, give that to you mm-hmm. unconditionally all the time. And they would do it over and over, no matter how much pain they would love their children. 
And mm-hmm. and I think I think that's where we learn a lot about love too is from our parents and from especially our moms that have more of the heart sometimes and uh, dads and dads have heart. I mean, I'm not trying to discount dads because dads are awesome too, but um, we learn a lot about sensitivity and and those heart things uh, mm-hmm. from our moms. So uh, so yeah, so those are those are two that really stand out to me and and uh, and make it special and. Uh, I know she hugged me for me. Um, maybe for her. I don't know. She can't tell me. But uh, <laughs> um, she knew I needed that. You know, and that gave me a lot of peace and closure. Mm-hmm. It's with, great that you were able to have that moment. Yeah. That's a big deal. No, that's a that's a super deal. That's a thing you get to – that's a no regret moment. And I remember sitting there going, I don't know if I should hug her. Like, I don't – I don't know if that would be appropriate in this moment, but then I was like, this is my mom. I'm going to hug her. I don't care. And you know, and I don't, I didn't, I didn't even expect her to, to have any kind of reaction whatsoever. I just wanted just to hold her and just, and just love my mom. Mm -hmm. So it was really awesome that she hugged me back. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So funerals, I, I, I find weird things. I just do. Yeah, I do too. You get dressed up, you pay, Tens of thousands of dollars for for grave sites and coffins, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 did you? I I don't know how it is in other states for our listeners, but I was very upset to find out that all these coffins go into uh, cement or metal yeah. sarcophaguses. Yeah, it's ridiculous, it's, and and it's mostly so the ground doesn't like collapse when the mm-hmm. when the graves finally give way. Um, or deteriorate, but they're just tombs. Mm-hmm. We dedicate so much, so much resources to death. I was like, what? Like the square footage, the the coffins, yeah. the boxes, yes. the land, the amount. Like, think about what it, how much energy and resources it takes to keep that grass mode over the next. Oh, I know. Forever. Uh, I f- I find it a little absurd personally. Um, and again, like. It's not for the person who's dead. It's for us. Mm-hmm. And, mm. and do they necessarily want that? I don't know. I think some people do. Like they need that feeling that they're living on. But I feel like most people don't care as much. Well, my mom's not there. Yeah. Like she's not there. Mm-hmm. So when they t- when the when the the really nice people at the funeral home, I won't say what funeral home. They're very nice people. They're driving us around, and the guy's like, "Well, there's three spots at the cemetery. So say we're at zero. And I'm going to take you to the plus thousand dollar spot. The Wait, so is it like more expensive because of the view? Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Jumping the gun. There's the thousand uh, dollar less than the median price spot, and then there's the median spot basically. Mm-hmm. So he takes us to the plus thousand extra thousand dollar spot. Yes, it's a view of fucking Mount Rainier. And I actually said out loud. I looked at my brother and my dad, and I went. Uh, I don't think mom's going to enjoy this view. And Scott just started laughing. And I was like, she's six feet under. What does she care that Mount Rainier is right there? Mm-hmm. Like, she can't see it. Is there a periscope that comes up? I don't understand this. And my dad just kind of like looked at me. <laughs> my brother's chuckling because I was like, I don't understand this. You know, I was like, and if people are here, they're looking down. They're not looking around. I just, I don't, I don't get that. So, okay. And then he, sh- and I was like, so we're like, no. And then we go to the median one or whatever, and it's uh, it's fine. It's in the middle of the 
graveyard instead of at the top of the graveyard where you have the view. Now it's in the middle. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but what we really wanted is because my grandparents, so my mom's parents and my dad's um, dad and family are all buried at the cemetery here in West Seattle as well. And so we said, well, we'd like one down by <clears throat> my mom's parents, my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So he takes it down there. He's like, well, this is perfect because this is the under $1,000 or less than $1,000 or whatever mm -hmm. spot. And we're like, why didn't we just come here? Well, I have to show you all the options. I was like, no, you, no, you, you don't. just wanted to waste our time. We're already tired by this time. It's already yeah. been two hours sitting around talking about all this shit. Trying to get me emotionally <clears throat> attached to a view. Yes. And so we're so you go down there, and it, we're just going to be like 10 paces away from my grandparents, her parents. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so we get to visit, and they're across the road from my dad's dad and, and um, his uh, grandpa and, and mm -hmm. grandma. And I was like, well, this is the perfect spot. Like, this is, why didn't you just show this this in the first place? So she's going to be buried there. And uh, and then in a, you know, in a wood coffin with frilly stuff all around her and whatnot, I guess. And um, <laughs> in a cement tomb mm. where 100 years from now she won't even decompose, I guess. I just, I don't know, dude. It just, the whole concept. I looked at the guy while we are talking about all this stuff and I said, uh, do you guys just do pine boxes? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, how much is a pine box? It's like $1,500. And I said, uh, can someone build me a pine box and you guys use that? And he's like, oh, for sure. And I looked at Scott and I was like, will you build me a pine box for my body? And he goes, yes. Mm -hmm. And the guy goes, but you still need to put it in a cement tomb. I was like, dude. <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> and, it, so, and then at that moment, I decided I'll be cremated or know, turned into a tree. Yeah, uh, human <coughs> composting is now legal in Washington State. Yeah, I'm okay with that now. I think that's great. After seeing all this bullshit, and then and the best part about that though too, John, is that uh, if people want to visit my tombstone, they can go to the oak tree that I'm planted mm -hmm. as, and they can yeah, sit right? underneath it and hang in my limbs and mm -hmm. and just be like, "Hey, Wes." <laughs> Thanks. And then someday someone might cut me down and make me a whiskey barrel. I mean, no, whatever. That's the dream. I know, right? So <laughs> I'm like, this is all right. Uh, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm fine with that now. And now I find death more silly than I found <sighs> it before. Talk, here's a here's a marketing opportunity for you. Yeah. So Rogue Brewing Company, this is kind of a, I mean, related, but non sequitur. They have dead guy <laughs> ale. They also have a dead guy whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if they like partnered with these these uh, composting, these human composting or yeah. grow tree out of you places, yeah. grow oak, and then they turn them into barrels and they make dead guy whiskey out They'd of it? They'd have to wait a long time for that oak. Yeah, but, I yeah. Know. but it would be a very expensive bottle and you'd be like, this is like Gertrude Johnson. Yes. Like have their name. Yes, their name is on it. On it. Actually, that's like, not a bad idea. Right? You'd have to wait forever. That's like a $200 bottle because of all the effort that goes into yeah, it. Yeah, no kidding. I'm just just saying. It's a, I think it's an opportunity. So I'm fine with all that now. Like the cremation stuff, which is still expensive. It's like five thousand dollars to is. cremate a person. I was like, why? You just put me ablaze. I mm -hmm. mean, no. There's all these regulations and taxes and county shit and all this stuff. And Helen knows a guy who could do it for free. Good. Some concrete boots and dump you out and <laughs> and forget about <laughs> the it. The Long Island Sound. <laughs> <laughs> Come fish food. <laughs> The circle of life. Um, it is strange to go through it, though, the first time. I, I mean, I was really young when I went through it the first time. I think yeah. that's really changed, I mean, me as a human for a lot of different reasons. But, like, I was the one that w went with my mom to the funeral home and picked out the coffin. And it was, like, fortunately, like, the cheapest version. 
was the one that I thought my dad would like the most. It was like a simple pine. That was the same thing was with like, my mom. Is like it's, it's it light oak. colored. It was beautiful, yeah. but it was like really simple. It didn't have a bunch of bling on it, which I don't understand either. How much brass does a dead person need? Right. Like it's just, I know. It's so weird. I know. Uh, but I mean, I guess I guess as humans, we've had burial rituals like that for thousands and thousands of years. So like the the burying a body makes sense from a functional standpoint because it can bring disease. Yes. But we've turned it into something that almost seems silly. Money laundering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Honestly, it feels a like a money laundering thing here. <laughs> yeah, when, and that's a relatively recent. Like people have been monetizing death for a long time, but like the way we do it now is a relatively recent mm. thing, like 1900s. Yeah. So it's I don't it's all it's all crazy. Well, but. I was thinking like back to when I was in Boston and uh, I took tons of photos of tombstones and stuff because they're all from like the 1700s. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, unless they moved these tombstones and put them in someplace else, there's a body under here, mm-hmm. and the ground hasn't caved in. I'm like, so, like, how does that work out? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and some of these have, like, giant, like, obelisks on top of them mm-hmm. or pyramids or whatever because they're very mason, right? So, mm-hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. <clears throat> so I don't know if they've moved these bet- cemeteries, but they seem old, like they've been there forever. Yeah, I bet they filled in. A little bit of time. Like, I mean, you could put a layer on top and the grass would grow up through it just to keep it level so it's not yeah. sinking all that. But I have no idea. That's just... Yeah. I, I have no idea. Yeah. I just think I, it's amazing to me, like, especially... I was noticing this when we were driving around New York this last time. There's The cemeteries there around New York City are massive. Like, hundreds of acres of just bodies and, yeah. and tombstones. And then there's all sorts of weird <laughs> things. Like, we drove through one uh, on Rhode Island that had, like segregated Jewish plots. They were separated out by chain link fence. Like, oh, really? Yeah, it was like, and then they had a sign on it that like this was the Jewish spot. So we weren't really sure why. Uh, Helen speculates that it has to be some sort of sacred ground. It's like blessed um, under their burial rituals. And so it has to be separate, but I, I have no idea. That it's, seems weird. It's too. very, It's very strange. Yeah, I think the whole thing is strange, mm-hmm. and I, I don't. Uh, and I know we do it. We do it for the living, because mm-hmm. uh, if you ask the dead, they say nothing. So mm-hmm. uh, we we really do it for the living, and I think people make the decision really not for themselves if they can make the decision for themselves prior to dying, mm-hmm. but they they're thinking of other people when they're doing this. Like, yeah. oh, I want you to come and visit me. Yeah, and you're not there. Do what? (laughs) I know. Put flowers on, and it and it's really for the grieving person, like the the type of tombstone that my dad got. It's um, you know, before they would put the the little tin cup inside the ground, and then Mm -hmm. the ground would grow over it, and you had to you know dig it all up and empty it out, so you can put flowers at the Mm -hmm. at the grave. Now they have ones where uh, the vase is part of the tombstone, and you can pull it out and set it upside down, and it's weighted, and then you put the flowers in that. And then mm-hmm. when you don't want it, you can just tip it over and, and put it back in. Um, you know, I guess just uh, go and visit and, you know, one of the things with uh, grief um, and grieving is, is often that it's, it's actually not really that you're sad is that you love this person so much, but there's no place to direct it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it ends up hurting and it feels like grief and sadness because you just want to go love that person, but they're, they're not there. Mm-hmm. And so going to their tombstone and I think bringing them flowers is a way for you to express some kind of the grief in, in a loving way. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And so I think, I think that's why that's important. Where else would they go if, I mean, people who are cremated and their ashes are tossed into water and stuff like that, it seems weird to me as well. Because it actually doesn't do anything either mm-hmm. with ash in the water. It's like yeah. it's not helping anything. It's just, but I guess, you know, it's their favorite spot. So we do these things, but the dead aren't there. So it's really, again, it's just for the living. And it, it just, it, uh, well, there, there is something to be said about people who um, set up those decisions before they die. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a big part of it is like, it's for you personally. Like it's your way of dealing with the fact that you're going to die someday. Yeah. You know, and like, just like, we don't want to be forgotten when we move away from a city. We don't want to be forgotten when we die. So we do these things to help people remember us, right? Like the people who are, <laughs> are super into themselves create these giant monuments so that we have to stare at these oh. giant pillars all the time. Yes. But like, like the little things, like, you know, one last way of saying goodbye is as much for me to know that you're not going to forget me when I die as it is for you to be able to say goodbye to me. Yeah. So I can understand the, like, the, the ceremony of the ashes functionally that doesn't do anything yeah but I, I can understand wanting to go through that process as a way of closure i guess um but outside of that like i don't want somebody keeping my ashes on a fireplace i always thought that was really creepy <laughs> like yeah that's weird too like an urn sitting yes. in your, on a shelf somewhere with somebody's burned up body inside of it yeah like it's just that seems bizarre to me yeah i i just can't get over the just they're not there mm-hmm so why do we keep using inanimate objects to signify that they're, you know, not there? Even tomorrow at the viewing, you know, to see my mom again uh, is somewhat upsetting to me. Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, she's she's not there either. Mm-mm. You know, and if, if anyone's ever been to an open casket funeral, the lifelessness is... Uh, disturbing mm-hmm. it's eerie yeah that is something i've never understood either is open casket funerals <laughs> like i don't i've never had a desire to see somebody's body after they're dead like even when my dad died i didn't it was, it was just his body that was it yeah so I, I don't know i don't find value in it i guess some people do i don't know yeah it's still strange the rituals uh, of these things are very strange I think for some people, I think they just want to go and they want to look at her and say something to her because mm-hmm. they have something on their on their heart that they feel like they need to get out. And do you ever think people say shitty things in those moments, like when they don't think anyone's listening? <laughs> I'm glad it was you first. Yeah, like some you, shit like that. You're real fucking good. Yeah. Well, my dad confessed to me that. Uh, so uh, his father-in-law and him didn't get along very well. So my my dad's. Uh, my mom's dad didn't, they didn't get along very well. Um, and, uh, my grandpa's funeral, at my grandpa's funeral, my dad said he was chewing a piece of gum and the wrapper, he had the wrapper in his hand and he put it in my grandpa's pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you put garbage in grandpa's coat pocket at the at the viewing and he's like yeah i was like is that your like last dig on him and he's like yeah and, I was like, <laughs> and your dad's totally badass <laughs> i know messing with a dead body yeah he's like yeah i didn't want to give him the satisfaction that he could he get the last word or whatever and i was like okay it's really funny it's super funny <laughs> Just like, so, I'm so put weird. this garbage right here in your pocket. <laughs> I 
How long do you think that was like a spur of the moment decision? Or do you think he had that planned? No, I think it was a spur of the moment. Well, I think like, he saw him and he saw the garbage. And, yep. It's <laughs> just like, like, hmm. Oh, let's just yep. shove it in there. Yep. I think that's exactly what he did. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I, I actually liked my grandpa, but my grandpa was, uh, yeah, he was, he was a Navy guy and mm. he, uh, he was, he was crotchety. We called him Grumpa for good reason. So, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I've never, I've experienced loss before with uh, my grandma, um, but she was in her, in my grandpa. I lost my grandpa when I was uh, 14, 15, and then my grandma in 2008, um, you know, and I was really, really close to her. And uh, I think that one hit me really hard, um, but nothing like losing a parent, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't imagine losing a parent at 17. That would have been devastating. Dana lost her dad in her twenties, mm-hmm. and that was super hard. I mean, that was a good decade of every time the day he died anniversary came up, which was Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, it made that holiday very hard because okay. of the memory of missing her dad. And her dad was actually a very awesome guy. So mine was exactly was that same thing because my dad died two days before Christmas. Oh, so it was. It was like Christmas was not my favorite holiday yeah. for a long time. Christmas sucks. Yeah, just it was, and it was entirely because it just reminded me of that day. That and Father's Day was always really hard. Yes, and Mother's Day will probably be very hard <clears throat> this year, but, um, but I mean, <clears throat> it's a testament to how much you love them that yeah. that you that these things do trigger us. Yeah, like if we didn't care about them and they weren't a really special part of our lives, we would just be one and done. Yeah. Like, let's throw them in the ground and, and be over with it. We'll never see them again, never talk about them again, and it's never going to bother me. But the fact that it keeps coming up and these little things remind you of them, I think it's a testament to the relationship you did have, and that's important to remember. Yeah, well, and you want it more. Mm-hmm. Or you're you're going to start thinking about the things that you wish you had. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, like Dana's dad never would never meet the kids, and I think he would have really enjoyed Sophia and Nathan. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Uh, I did have a question to ask you. <clears throat> did you ever have a dream with your dad in it since he passed? Uh, not, I mean, yes. I know I have, but not not one that I remember specifically. Yeah, one that woke you up because <clears throat> you're like, wait a minute. Anything like that? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. No, I don't think so. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's been so long. Like, yeah. Like, I'm older now. I mean, that was 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, twenty six years ago. So I mean, it, I'm sure at some point it's happened, um, but I've never been very good at remembering my dreams. Anyway, yeah. I'm not. I'm not very smart when I'm awake. <laughs> I mean, that's not when true. I'm sleep- really smart. <laughs> when I'm sleeping, it's even worse. But well, I don't know why. Do you? Did you? Have- well, Scott had one, and then this last week, Monday. <clears throat> so my this whole week has been, I've been uh, pretty depressed. Depressed, not like like deep, dark, depressed, but just kind of in this like uh, foggy, sad mm-hmm. kind of place because I know the funeral's coming up. Uh, but Monday I had this dream and I called my parents' house and I was just going to get my dad. And I think I was going to ask him what he's doing or where he's at or something like that. I can't remember exactly. And my mom picked up. And in my mind, my mom is dead mm-hmm. um, in the dream. And so I was like, oh, I think I got the voicemail. And so I was kind of like, oh, her voice. I miss her voice. And she goes, what do you want? Hmm. And I go, mom? She goes, yes. Are you coming to pick us up? 
I was like, uh, and I woke up because <laughs> I was like, in my mind, because my same mind, yeah, and in my same mind is like, uh, no, you're dead. Like, mm-hmm. why are you answering the phone? Um, which led me to a great opening that I'm not going to use tomorrow at the funeral. Would you like to hear it? Yeah. This will be the only time someone gets to hear it. Um, I was going to, and when it was my turn to speak, I was going to say, uh, thank you everyone for, for coming today. Um, my mom would have really enjoyed seeing all of you. And as a matter of fact, she's right over there <laughs> and like point to behind them. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that'd work well. Yeah. I think that that might not land. I was, I was wondering <laughs> how many people would get like really, really startled. Mm-hmm. Like surprise. She's right over there. Like it's a joke. Yeah. You've been punked. <laughs> Um, but I don't think that'll work well. Yeah. I was I think, thinking about how we can break the, you know, but I don't think there's a way. <laughs> I feel like with, with the right person and the right crowd, it make it would, it would, it would land really well, but yeah, I think I, it's better I mean, as I, a story that I tell that I might do. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> and then my mom's voice in my head was telling me, don't you fucking dare. Yeah. I can hear all the people go, oh, that was really inappropriate. Yeah, that was not okay. <laughs> Wes, Wes is going to hell. <laughs> I'd really be worried about my dad, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that. Yeah, that's a, I was thinking about that too. Like the that emotional um, jolt to your dad is probably not very fair <laughs> yeah. to him. <laughs> that little tinge of hope that she's yeah. actually, this has all been one big joke and yeah. there she is. Yeah, that would have been shitty. Yeah. Yeah. So, and... Uh, I know my mom's in heaven. Uh, we had a conversation as far as what I believe, um, you know, and, and mm-hmm. she believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, um, so yeah, I know that she's not, uh, she's not here, um, but I know she's in a place that, uh, where she's not in any pain. And uh, she's, I know at least with my grandma, I don't know what my grandpa necessarily, no, I know my grandpa believed. I found all of his Bibles that he had in Navy and stuff like that, that he wrote in and stuff. So, but you know they're a generation where they didn't really talk much about their faith. It mm-hmm. was you couldn't talk about religion and politics, otherwise everyone getting fistfights. Yep, like an Irish something or other. So, which if you think about it, was really ridiculous for that generation, considering the number, the percentage of the population that was religious. Yeah, the adherence of that. Yeah, yeah. like the the number of people that fell under the Christian mm-hmm. label was like eighty percent. It was yeah. a huge portion of the nation in one way or another believed in God yeah. and Jesus. Yeah. So like not being able to talk about it then was like, I mean, it's different than now. Now it's like you're Christian or you're Muslim or you're atheist. Then it was like, you're Protestant and you're Baptist, you're Methodist, Catholic. Catholic. And we don't talk about it because we all believe something slightly different yeah. when it comes to Jesus. Yeah, I know. Which it's, is it's ridiculous. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and, and I think people are more emboldened today. I don't know if they're more accepting, uh, but they're more emboldened today than I think. I mean, because it's the, it's that line. I heard that line. I don't know how many times in my childhood, which is we don't talk religion and politics. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah, me too. I was like, I get the politics, but now I we're mean, talking all of that now all the time. It's I know. Like, it's I like know. We all, all we talk about is. I know. Religion and Maybe politics. we should go back to not talking about those things. That would be nice. <laughs> Twitter wouldn't have a following of anything <laughs> at all anymore. Well, we need to learn to talk about it, but not in such a shitty way. Like, it doesn't yeah. have to be a fight. We can no. disagree. Yes. That's okay. I know. <laughs> so stupid. I wish more people thought that. Yeah, me too. Like, disagreement's okay. You can still like people and not <clears throat> share the same beliefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, we share the same values. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we believe in loving people, and we believe in not hurting people. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we believe in those same things that make us, uh, you know, 
people that uh, I wouldn't say necessarily good, quote unquote, good people, but it makes us people who can live with other people mm-hmm. in, a, in a joyful way mm-hmm. as, as much as they can. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Peeps are dumb. Peeps are dumb. You heard it here first <laughs> on Beer and Bourbon and Balderdash. Um, yeah. So, uh, so thank you for coming uh, yeah. home a little early. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm, it's I'm, gl- I'm glad to, to be here face. for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I can only imagine how rough this week has been. Hopefully, getting everything sorted out tomorrow will uh, give you a little closure on the week, and you know, next week will be a little easier. But yeah, you know, it's I one of the things that always bugged me when my dad died was people telling me things like, "I know how you feel, and it's going to get easier." And like in the moment, you're like, I I always felt like those things that people said were coming from somebody who'd never lost anybody mm-hmm. close to them. Because you're like, you don't. I, I feel like you don't actually understand what I need to hear right now. That's yeah. not it. Yeah. Well, because like, it's not for you. No. Like I've learned when people say, how you doing? I go, shitty. Mm-hmm. And then people who actually care, they're like, I'm really sorry to hear that. And they'll want to talk to me like you guys. Yeah. Other wanna, people wanna who are why. just, yeah. Other people who are go like, hey, how you doing? They expect I go, fine. I go, shitty. And they go, okay, well, all right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, well, hope you feel better. I guess, guess what they don't do? They don't ask me again. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'm okay with it. So I'm like, okay, well, if you don't okay. care, it's cool. I'm not mad, you know, <clears> but don't, you know, if, if don't ask if you don't really, if you're not going to invest in why things are shitty, because I'm not going to say fine. Mm-hmm. I catch myself a lot wanting to say, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if I'm just going to be an honest person, I'm just going to say, no, sh- things are shitty. Mm-hmm. No, this sucks this week. No, I'm, I'm I'm depressed. Like the people at my work, they're like, "You doing okay?" I go, "No, I'm depressed." No, not really. Pretty sad. Well, my mom died. So, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, my mom died. So, <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm great. <laughs> I have whiskey in my coffee, and there's no coffee in it. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep it together. <laughs> trying to keep it together. No, I think that's good to be honest about it too. Like, I like I don't shy away from. I think there's a way, like in less intimate relationships that you can share and be honest without like needing to dig, dig into it. Like at work, for example, like if I'm tired or I don't feel well, I'm, I don't say fine. I don't think I ever answer fine to how are you today? Yeah. Like, I'm always, like sometimes I'm great and I'll say that. Oh, I'm great. I'm a little tired, but I'm great. And sometimes like, man, I kind of feel like shit and I don't want to be here today, mm-hmm. but I'm here. Yep. So I'll make I'm, it happen. I'm trooping out. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, good. I'm glad you do that. Yeah, I mean, if I say I'm fine, I'm like I'm fine, you know, and it's an obvious lie. I make yeah. it obvious. It's well, just it's like, clear I don't want to like, say I don't want to talk else. about it. Yeah, exactly. I'm clearly about not it. fine, but you're not the person I want to tell. Yeah, or can you not go, tell? Go if you, the reason why you're asking because something seems off. Mm-hmm. You're correct. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? Well, I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> you you decide. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> That's the title of this show. I'm, I'm fine. fine. <laughs> mm, man. All right. Well, John, thanks for letting me emote. Um, yeah, it's good. Um, I I just I want to tell you I, I love you very much, and thank you. and I do worry about you. Yeah, as I appreciate friend, that. As friends do. Um, I know it's a tough time. There's not anything I can say that's making it any better. No. But. Just know that I love you and I'm here for you. I love you too. And I do I do know that and I do appreciate it. I know I know you're not bullshitting. And really this is the if you want the full experience of human life, death is part of it. Whether it's mm-hmm. yours or someone close to you. Um, well if it never ended, you wouldn't 
I think it. I think death teaches you to value the moments more. Like it if does. It's a, if there's an yes. endless supply of those moments, they're not valuable. They're not. Well, and you only realize that when you thought there was an endless supply of, mm-hmm. of like those when things. you're a teenager and you think you're gonna live forever, yes. and then all yeah. of a sudden something tragic happens. Yep, and you're like, oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> and it was someone even your age goes, and you're like, uh, that's not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. It's like if you lose somebody when you're you know like a like a teenage friend. Mm-hmm. I lost a couple of teenage friends in high school, and it, it it still is amazing to me when I think back on them. So every so often you get triggered by it to, to remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one guy that was on my soccer team, um, he drowned one summer when we were out at the lake and oh. um, Ted Colbert. And he, uh, it's weird to me to think that all the other people that I went to high school with are all adults now. And in my mind, he is still a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like you my, can't picture him as an can't adult. can't picture him as any other way like that. And then like, that's as far as he went. It's just, I don't know. To me, it's weird to think about. Yeah, that's, that is weird. I agree. Yeah, yeah, they do stop aging. Mm-hmm. Strange, right? Yeah, and they stop aging even in your yeah. own mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Death is weird. Death is weird. Death is, but death it's is, weird because we make it weird because yeah. we're humans and like we've turned it into this thing. Like, I it it's always also is interesting to me when you see animals mourn mm-hmm. other parts of their tribe or yeah. group or yeah. whatever. Um, like, where do they get that from? And is that something that's like inherent? in a in animal behavior like is that why animals care for each other like it's built into our dna to care for people and mourn and um i don't know it's interesting well and it's it's our mind too our mind is trying to reconcile a thing that has happened mm-hmm. that you know the potential was always there but you couldn't actually fathom it actually happening yeah and so you're 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 constantly <laughs> trying to understand it like <clears throat> a weird thing like when i walk up to my parents house uh just the other day i was walking up and i expected to see my mom in the window so my brain said mm-hmm. oh look in the window your mom's there mm-hmm. because it's just a a, a memory mm-hmm. and so i look up and my heart sank and i was like oh she's not there mm-hmm. and it felt like any other day i come over after work and pick up packages and say hi to mom and dad and, and you know so i wasn't thinking anything different and i look and i was like oh yeah Mm -hmm. and i was just like wow my brain is trying to uh was was trying to fill in some blanks and then there was this realization that that's not the same thing so it's like a retraining of my brain almost Mm -hmm. too now that that she's not going to be there i find that interesting Mm -hmm. all the things like i believe the dream that i had my mom was is me unconsciously trying to reconcile her death Mm mm-hmm as well but yeah. you know i don't think she's trying to talk to me from the grave because she didn't say anything important like when are you going to pick me up <laughs> when you need to pick me up. <laughs> uh tomorrow when you're in the coven mom they're, they're putting like, <laughs> me in a box so when are you going to pick me up <laughs> i'm a pallbearer i'll go pick you up tomorrow mom um no i should i should open with that joke yeah there you go <laughs> i had a dream <laughs> well today today mom but don't <laughs> oh i got a rim shot Hey! <laughs> oh, and on that note, <laughs> yeah, I do. I I do want to leave our listener with one last thing. I I personally think it's really important to, like, when you go through these traumatic events like this, and this is traumatic, and it um, it can be traumatizing. Well, it is traumatizing. Um, yeah. It's important to reach out 
Don't yep. be afraid to ask for support or help. Yep. Sometimes that's just needing somebody to sit next to you. Yep. Like when my dad died, that's all I needed. Yep. That's all I asked for when people like, what can I do? I was like, just sit here with me. Yeah, just be I, around. I don't want to talk. If I want to talk about it, I'll talk <clears throat> about it. Don't try to make me talk about it. Just yep. just be there. Yep. Just reach out. Tell me, tell me you love me. Yep. You know, but on the flip side, if you're not letting people know you're mourning or hurting... Yeah, they might not know. Yep. So, and do it. Do it not just in the moment. I would say a lot of people want to give you lots of support right after it happened. Mm -hmm. Call me in a month Mm -hmm. and check in. Call me in two months Mm -hmm. and just say, "Hey, I'm thinking about you." Mm -hmm. Because those are the moments where I got all this attention and all this support, and now, yep, I look around and no one's around anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, that's also very important too. Yeah, for sure. Keep checking in on them every month and. On those people that you love. And, and and like you said, you know, just be honest. Like, you know, you can also reach out to people. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm having a shitty day. Love to see you. You know, because they don't know. They're not mm-hmm. mind readers. You can't expect people to, you know, they got lives too that they're trying to live and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so not that you're not important, but you are important. You just got to let them know you need something. Because mm-hmm. the last time they talked to you, you said, I don't need anything. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, uh, to mom. To mom. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, listeners, uh, for sticking around and listening to this. And uh, we hope you didn't bring you down, but, uh, you know, made you also just think about people that you love. And uh, and that, um, you know, one of the things that I just think about all the time is uh, hug your mom. Yep. And hug your dad. And hug the people that you love. And uh, make it count. And hold them. And uh, don't just pat on their back, but just uh, let them know that you really do love them. And uh, they'll be really appreciative of that. So, so this is the pat on the back thing. Yes, this I know. This we already finished. Yeah. But the pat on the back thing. They've shown that when people pat on the back, it's a less intimate hug. Yes. So if you really want to hug somebody like you mean it, don't pat them on the back when you hug them. Yes. Keep it static and and hold on. Yeah. Right. I only pat when I'm done. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but like that walk up where you're like, yeah. I'm not gay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. And, and don't and don't rub. Rubbing's weird unless it's your spouse Mm, or someone that you love. Okay. Good night. Fuck.